Hi there. Welcome to Stories That Made Us. In this episode, we take a look at the Babylonian creation myth. The Babylonians lived in the fertile crescent of Mesopotamia. This is the valley between the rivers Tigris and Euphrates in modern-day Iraq. Their great civilization followed the Sumerians and the Akkadians. Both of these cultures have had a tremendous influence on the Babylonian thought and way of life. Their creation story thus encompasses elements from both these civilizations. The story itself is mentioned in great detail in the tablets of Enuma Elish. There was no world, no heaven, no earth, and no underworld. There only existed the divine parents, Apsu and Tiamat. Apsu, the god of sweet water, and Tiamat, the goddess of salt water. After many eons, the two deities birthed a son, Mumu, the god of mist. Mumu is the mist that rises from the waters each morning, hovering over them. In the beginning, the waters and the mist were mingled as one. They formed an immense undefined mass that contained all the elements of creation. Over time, Apsu and Tiamat birthed many children. The first was the brother and sister pair of Lahmu and Lahamu. Then came the second pair, Anshar and Kishar. Anshar and Kishar bore a son. They named the little god Anu, for he was made in the likeness of his father, Anshar. Anu is the god of the sky, and he, in turn, begot Enki, also known as Nudimud or Ea. Enki is a god of exceptional wisdom and great strength. He became the creator of magic and the mastermind of Mesopotamian divinities. He had no rival among his fellow gods. So powerful was Enki that he was the master of even his fathers, surpassing all with his wisdom, magic, and stature. Now, Enki and the young gods were full of life and vitality. They enjoyed boisterous and hilarious gatherings. Their meetings were loud and full of thunderous laughter and booming gossips. This behavior did not sit well with the older gods, who preferred peace and rest to commotion and noise. The elder gods tried hard to diminish the clamor of the younger gods, but they were met with no success. Finally, Apsu, the grandfather of Enki and the god of Sweetwater, was fed up. He, in utter exasperation, resolved on a drastic course of action. He called Mumu, his son and vizier, the prime minister, and said, Mumu, you are my great advocate among all gods. 
you are the one who gratifies my pleasure. Come, let us go to your mother, Tiamat. Let us tell her of our plight. It is a shame that we, the primordial gods, should suffer at the excesses of the younglings. Let us resolve our course of action for once and for all. Thus, the two gods sought an audience with Tiamat. These young gods have upset the peace and harmony that I have sought for so long, explained Apsu to his wife. They cause agony and great distress to me and to other elder gods. These young gods must be stopped at once. I will destroy them and break up their way of life. Peace and silence will reign supreme again. When Tiamat heard this proclamation, she raged and cried. She lamented in distress and fumed at her husband and her son. How can we destroy what we've given birth to? The goddess asked. Though their behavior causes distress, let us tighten discipline with grace and wisdom. But alas, her words fell to deaf ears. Mumu then spoke. Destroy, my father. Destroy their cantankerous and lawless way of life. Destroy these young upstarts so that you may rest in the day and sleep at night. Apsu was pleased with his son. His face beamed as he plotted against his children and grandchildren. Their plot, however, was discovered by the young gods. They despaired and agonized over the heavy-handedness and the bloodlust of Apsu. They discussed and pondered upon their response to the Elder God's declaration of war. After much thought, Enki declared that they were no match against Apsu and Mummu. No match in a fair fight, that is. They would have to resort to trickery if they were to survive their culling. The other gods, though upset at the thought of deception, reluctantly agreed. They were, after all, more concerned with their own survival. The young gods agreed that Enki should lead their efforts to placate the elders. Thus, Enki went to Tiamat and Apsu to discuss a peaceful solution to the conflict. Apsu and Mumu, however, were steeped in haughtiness. They declined any amicable solution. The Elder Gods knew that they would prevail. They sought to use this excuse as an opportunity to obliterate the Young Gods for once and for all. They wished to impress upon the Young Gods the dominance of the Elders. Enki thus perceiving the ulterior motives of the elders, had no choice but to recourse to cunning. He, through his powerful magic, chanted a spell of sleep upon the water where Apsu slept. Apsu, thus drugged, went to a deep sleep. Enki then tiptoed into Apsu's domain and murdered the unsuspecting god.
he overpowered and bound Mumu and thrust him in eternal confinement. Enki took the crown of Apsu, keeping it for himself. Finally, the victorious god set his home upon Apsu's dead body. There, he created a beautiful world. This is how Enki bound and slew his enemies and achieved victory over his foes. He finally rested in his new domain, which he called Apsu, named so after the god whom he defeated. Finally, Enki created a beautiful palace in his new world and resided there with Damkina, his wife. It is in this palace that the two deities gave birth to Marduk, the great god who would eventually rule all creation. Thus, in the realm of Apsu was Marduk born, and he was resplendent. His growth was majestic, and his eyes dazzled with the brightness of the sun. Anu, his grandfather, saw him and was pleased, for he knew that the child will one day determine the destinies of all. Anu rendered Marduk perfect, for Marduk's divinity was remarkable. He excelled over all the gods in every attribute. His figure was lofty and superior when compared to the pantheon of gods. His limbs surpassed all in strength, and his nature was superior in smartness and thought. Anu exalted Marduk as the sun god and the god of all gods. Marduk was clothed with the aura of all the great gods. Anu then constructed the four winds, which he delivered to Marduk, thus saying, My son, let the winds loose. Let them remind you of the tempestuous nature of the universe. Let them be your guide, so that you may one day rule with great strength and temperance. Now while Anu sang praises of Marduk, such accolades inevitably invoked jealousy among others. Many wished ill on the young god. Not only were they afraid of Marduk, but were also against his preordained destiny as the ruler of all gods. They despised the honor that was bestowed upon the house of Anu. They thus plotted to kill Marduk before he garnered enough power. These gods went to Tiamat and addressed her. When Apsu, your spouse, was decimated by Enki, you did not go to his side. You sat quietly, choosing to ignore your own husband's pleas for help. You have since then given no thought to your slain husband, nor to your son Mumu, who is banished. He remains a prisoner in chains. Now, you allow the house of Anu, his son Enki and grandson Marduk, to lord over all the gods. What about us, who have been loyal to you? You do not love us. You do not consider our burden 
Rise, mother. Rise against Anu and Marduk. Avenge your husband and your son. Make battle against these upstarts. Reduce them to nothingness. Such talk stirred Diamat, who finally agreed to lead the rebellion against Anu. She and the other gods, the ones jealous of Anu, thus assembled and plotted revenge. Lusting for battle, they set up a mighty host to bring about a great conflict. Tiamat supplied fierce weapons. She gave birth to indomitable giants and serpents. To these creatures, she gave sharp teeth and filled their bodies with poison instead of blood. She granted them tireless strength and the ferocity of wanton savagery. Now among the gods that instigated Tiamat to action, prominent was Kingu. Tiamat exalted him as her spouse and gave him the leadership of her ferocious army. She also set him up on the throne of Ru, thus discarding the prophecy of the throne belonging to the house of Anu. She then said to Kingu, I have cast a spell that exalts you as the leader of the army of gods. I have delivered to you the rule of all gods. You are indeed revered, my husband. You are renowned. Let your commands prevail over all Anunnaki, the gods of the world. She then gave Kingu the Tablet of Destiny. Tiamat fastened this tablet to his chest and said, Your words are absolute. Your commands will be heeded and obeyed by all. Go now, my husband. Lead the army against Anu, Enki and Marduk. Ensure our victory. And so it was that once again gods prepared to battle one another. The faction led by Tiamat and Kingu sought to put an end to the line of Anu and assert control of their own over the realm. Now Enki, the god of wisdom, the son of Anu and the father of Marduk, got a wind of Tiamat's plans. He lapsed into his chamber and thought. He reflected upon his next steps as he was battered by waves of anger and anguish. Eventually, he directed his steps to his grandfather, Anshar's abode. He then told Anshar and Kishar of Tiamat's treacherous plot against the family. Grandfather, Enki cried, Tiamat, my great-grandmother, has conceived an irrational hatred for us. She has established a warring host in her savage fury. Many gods, gods who are upset that the line of my father is to rule the heavens, have also joined Tiamat against us. Anshar was profoundly disturbed by this news. Alas, he cried, this war was inevitable. You, Enki, 
must have expected retaliation when you killed Apsu with cunning. It is you who made Tiamat furious. Anshar wailed with a heart steeped in fury. Now where is the champion of our house? Who is to fight Tiamat as her equal? He cried. Then Anshar and Enki asked Anu to join them in their deliberations. Anshar lapsed into silence, staring at the ground. Nodding to Enki and Anu and shaking his head, he outlined the problem to Anu. The gods then sat and discussed. This was a great predicament, for no god wished to face Tiamat. She was, after all, the mother of all. After much discussion, they finally decided to pit Marduk against Tiamat. Enki thus sent for his son. When Marduk arrived, Enki spoke thus, Marduk, listen carefully to your forefathers. You are my son, the apple of my eye. Go respectfully before Anchar, so that he may look upon you. Marduk rejoiced at being present in such a great and illustrious company. He stepped towards Anchar and bowed with the deepest respect. My exalted great-grandfather, Marduk thus addressed Anshar. Do not hold peace, but speak your thoughts. I will fulfill your every desire. Who has caused you such grief and anger? Anshar then explained the upcoming battle to Marduk. He elaborated upon the young god's role as the leader of their army. Marduk, having heard all this, then spoke, My fathers, rejoice, for soon we will be victorious over Tiamat. But I do have one condition. I will become your avenger. I will bind Tiamat and defeat her in the upcoming battle. But I request that you convene an assembly and proclaim me as the highest deity the Lord of all gods. Let me, with my utterance, decree destinies of gods. Let it be known that my words must never be challenged, and my commands may never be nullified or altered. This I ask as your avenger, protector, and champion. Anshar listened to Marduk's words, and then turned and spoke to his minister. Vizier Kaka, please do visit every god that is sympathetic to our cause. Let them all convene here to discuss our predicament. They are to confer as they sit at the table. Provide a sumptuous feast with delectable wine and ale. Let the gods then decree the destiny for Marduk, their avenger. So Kaka went from one god to another, spreading Anshar's words. All the gods sympathetic to the house of Anu thus assembled. 
upon hearing of the upcoming battle, they shook with fright and distress, for they did not know that Tiamat planned their annihilation. They waited to hear from Anshar, Anu, and Enki. They waited to hear their fates. Then all commotion stopped as the heralds declared the entrance of the exalted house of Anu. All the assembled gods basked in the presence of Anshar and were filled with ecstasy. They ate and they drank, and soon felt good and became carefree. The mood was merry. After the festivities, the gods decreed the fate of Marduk. They handed him the title of their avenger and delegated their power to the young god. They then set up a lordly stage for the young god, one with a resplendent throne worthy of a king. The gods invited Marduk to take his seat there and receive his kingship. They then said, Marduk, you who are most holy and honored among the gods, your destiny is unparalleled. From this day, no one will annul your commands. It is in your power to exalt or abase other gods. Your utterance is sure, and your command cannot be rebelled against. None of the gods will ever dare transgress the line that you draw. You are Marduk, our avenger. We thus give you kingship over the whole universe. You may thus take your seat in the assembly and let your words be acted upon, that you may, in your infinite wisdom, spare those who trust you, but destroy those who defy you. The gods then bestowed Marduk with a crown and a scepter. They gave him a mighty mace, one that provides immense power and overwhelms all foe. The gods thus proclaimed, Marduk is our king. Go, decimate Tiamat and her army. Anshar then fashioned a bow and presented it to Marduk. The great avenger of gods was thus ready. He hung the bow and the quiver of arrows at his side, and in one hand he held the mighty maze. In his other hand, he gripped a bolt of lightning. His armor was lit with flames, and it shone akin to the sun. He then fashioned winds, dust storms, and tempests. He ordered them to spread chaos among Tiamat and Kingu's army. So this is how the gods went to battle once again. Marduk rode a fearful chariot one that was driven by four steeds. Steeds named the Destroyer, the Merciless, the Trampler, and the Fleet. They possessed immense strength and were immune to weariness. The two armies thus fought each other with a ferocity that shook the entire universe. They hurled lightning and thunder and let loose ferocious serpents and wolves. 
It was a war of immense brutality, a war of terrible cruelty. Both sides intended on decimating one another. No quarters were given, no sympathy was spared, nor were prisoners taken as gods fought one another for supreme domination of all realms. When Marduk spied Tiamat on the battlefield, he rode towards her, shouting her name. Why are you so aggressive and arrogant? Marduk's voice boomed over the battlefield. The gods and their vile creatures stopped fighting, turning to hearken Marduk's words. Why do you strive to provoke battle and kill us? You are supposed to be our mother, Tiamat, but you hold nothing but contempt. You unlawfully named Kingu as your spouse, and you gave him the command of all gods. Command that is rightfully ordained to be my family's and mine. I will battle you and decide the fate of all gods, for once and for all. When Tiamat heard Marduk's declaration, she was wrought with anger. The two thus faced one another in a terrifying battle. Everything stopped as the two gods battled for supremacy. After a long and ferocious fight, Marduk's arrow pierced Tiamat's belly. The young god then tore open her entrails, thus extinguishing her life. He threw down her corpse, stood upon it, and proclaimed his victory. After Tiamat's demise, her host scattered and her divine followers surrendered. Trembling and afraid, the vanquished gods tried to beat a retreat, but they were surrounded. Marduk then bound them and broke their weapons. Now Kingu, he bound and imprisoned in the deathly cell where he was guarded by death. Marduk took the Tablet of Destinies which was given to Kingu by Tiamat. The Tablet finally found its way to the rightful heir, the god of all gods, the forger of destinies, the great and mighty Marduk. This is how Marduk established victory for Anshar, Anu and Anki, his father and forefathers. This is how he fulfilled his destiny. Marduk then placed his feet on the corpse of Tiamat and with his majestic club, he smashed her skull. He severed her arteries and bit the north wind to bear her blood to the gods. His fathers saw this and they were glad. They rejoiced at the great victory, showering Marduk with blessings, gifts and praise. Marduk then rested. He rested and pondered how to use Tiamat's corpse to create a new realm. This would be his world just like his father Enki created the realm of Apsu from the god Apsu's corpse. Eventually, 
a thought occurred to the great God of gods. He split Tiamat into two and then stretched the upper half over the world. This is how Marduk made heaven. There now existed two realms. One was Apsu, the kingdom of Enki, where Marduk was born. The other was heaven. Marduk then stretched the skin of Tiamat and made a new world between Apsu and heaven. This he named Esara. He made this realm in the likeness of Apsu. This realm he then gifted to his forefathers, who chose it to be their abode. Marduk then fashioned time. He set up constellations, and based on their movements, he appointed the year. He marked off divisions and set up three stars each for the twelve months. In Tiamat's belly, he created Nanar, the god of moon, entrusting to him the night. He titled Nanar the Jewel of the Night and established the lunar calendar. From the foam that oozed from Tiamat's mouth, Marduk next fashioned the clouds. From her eyes he let the Euphrates and Tigris flow. They became the life-providing rivers of Mesopotamia. From the rest of her body he then fashioned the earth. This realm the great god Marduk claimed to be his own. The gods rejoiced and blessed Marduk. Anshar embraced the young god and proclaimed his title the victorious king. Marduk then spoke to the assembled gods. Above the Apsu, the emerald abode of my father, and opposite Esara, the realm which I built for all gods. Beneath the celestial bodies that I created to rule the skies, I will build a new realm. This is to be my luxurious abode. This kingdom will be earth, and within it I will establish my shrine. It is here that I will build my great palace and establish my kingdom. He then pointed at the gods and said, When you come up from Apsu or descend from heaven, this will be your resting place. I give my kingdom the name of Babylon, the home of the great god. The gods heard the speech. They thus exclaimed, In Babylon, as you've named it, put our resting place forever. Marduk then detailed his plan. I will bring together blood and bone. I will bring to being the first man. From this man, the species of humans will arise. They will be the one on whom the toil of the gods will be laid, so that we all may rest. Enki heard this and thus responded, We require the sacrifice of a god to bring this plan to fruition. Let the defector gods, those who took up arms against us, be brought forth. 
Let the guilty among them be sacrificed for the creation of man. Upon hearkening this advice, Marduk assembled all the gods. In front of them all, he then brought forth the rebellious gods, who were all bound in chains. Marduk then said to them, After the defeat, you have all been imprisoned and are in chains. You deserve nothing better than eternal languish in the deepest and darkest dungeons. But I am a generous God. I will break your shackles and reinstate you in your shrines. But only if you tell me the name of the God that instigated this warfare. Who was it that made Tiamat rebel? Let me know now so that I may lay just punishment on him. The shackled gods thus said, It is Kingu, O Lord of Gods. It is Kingu who instigated warfare. And so it was that while the rest of the gods were freed from shackles, Marduk meted out punishment to Kingu. The victorious king severed Kingu's head and from his blood he let Enki create man. Now once humanity had flourished, the people had but one job, to provide for the gods. The first of these tasks was to build the great city of Babylon. This then is the story of great battles of gods, battles that were fought long before the existence of time. This is the story of the creation of our world and the eternal laws that govern it. It is the story of the creation of man and of Babylon, the city at the center of the world, the city where Marduk, the god of gods himself, sits and lords over the realm of earth. That is all for this episode. Share and subscribe if you liked the podcast. Leave a rating and comment. Oh, and don't forget to join us on social media for the latest. In the next episode, we delve into the stories of Wabanaki, Anishinaabe and Blackfoot. They are the Native American tribes of the United States and Canada. Until then, have a great week ahead and stay safe. Goodbye.